Yeah, we officially, uh, we're officially in seasonal depression time. So just let it out, everybody. If you're, if you're already depressed, I have some bad news for you. Took Halloween by the balls this year. The amazing costume you came up with. And during a pandemic, what the fuck did you get to use that for? It's the first day of daylight savings. It's dark. I don't mind at all. I'm perfectly happy. And I'm going to just get drunk in my apartment and just be wearing this outfit all night. It's going to be a long winter. It's the day after Halloween. It's kind of like the morning after Christmas. Wow titties it's tuesday yeah that's like a that's like that's a wednesday morning a lot of boob tape went into it absolutely uh you don't have to comment on people's bodies you don't have to tell people they look good or bad or whatever no i mean there's a time and a place you know and i think my elvira outfit was the time and the place (laughs) to talk about my boobs and that was it is this cat or is this elvira my boobs have ever defied gravity in such a way before and i was (laughs) 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 you guys you had no idea Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? It's very dark. The sun went down yeah. at 4.30 today. It's, day, it's the first day, yeah. Yeah, we officially, uh, we're officially in seasonal depression time. So mm-hmm. just let it out, everybody. <sighs> I, what was the last season? <laughs> if, you're, if you're already depressed, I have some bad news for you. It's going to be a long winter. It's the day after Halloween. It's kind of like the morning after Christmas. That's over. It's the first day of daylight savings. It's dark. I don't mind at all. I'm perfectly happy. I'm looking forward to the holidays. Um, I think you guys and I would advise everyone to hold off on the depression till New Year because we have at least we have the holidays in front of us. It's only going to get worse. We've got COVID spiking everywhere. That's going to get much, much worse, maybe worse than we've seen yet. Got an election. Um, By the time you hear this, the election will be over. Probably the election won't be over. But either way, (laughs) my message is enjoy today. It's going to get worse. Wow. Can we put that on our next shirt? Speak all evil. Enjoy today. It's going to get worse. Live for the moment, guys. I, I found I found Halloween to be very anticlimactic this year. I've spent Christmases before that there hasn't been snow and it was just fine. But this year Halloween just came and went and it was like, you know, like nothing happened. I didn't see any trick or treaters. I didn't do anything scary. No. Besides for, you know, the stuff that we do together. But it doesn't feel like the day after Halloween. Did anybody get Even any the trick cold or treaters? Doesn't stop Halloween Cause, usually. Cause I got some trick or treaters. Oh, I, I wasn't oh. home. I just hid. <laughs> you were home, but you were hiding. <laughs> I'm I'm in yeah. apartment lands. People don't typically go down my street knocking on buildings because they're mostly apartments and things like that. So, I just I thought it was funny that everyone was on social media being like, "Oh, watching a scary movie at home for Halloween, like a celebration," you know. And I and I was like, "Yeah, I'm watching a scary mm. movie at home too, like 
three or four it's nights Tuesday. out of the week. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Yeah, that's like yeah, a, that's, that's like that's a Wednesday morning. Cat, um, I think what? everybody listening needs to go to our Instagram. If you don't follow us, it's at Speak All Evil Pod. But we did put up what I think is one of the greatest photos we will ever put up. Can you please tell us the amazing costume you came up with? And during a pandemic, what the fuck did you get to use that for? Um, I got to be our Lord and Savior, Elvira. I took Halloween by the balls this year and was like, fuck it. I love Halloween and I'm going to just get drunk in my apartment and just be wearing this outfit all night. And um, a lot of boob tape went into it. Absolutely. Um, I don't think my boobs have ever defied gravity in such a way before. And I was pleasantly pleased by it. I felt free. Um, But yeah. That was the... That was the new Lee Nelson photo for me (laughs) (laughs) of this week. Oh wow! Me, me, and Caitlin were both we were both like, Caitlin, Caitlin said that she she started to comment on your Instagram, wow titties, and then she deleted it. She was like, oh, I don't know cat, I don't know cat well enough to to write that, but that's what. She can talk about my titties whenever she wants. I had to I look it. at it so many times and then finally be like, Allison, please come here before I respond to this because is this cat or is this Elvira? And Allison broke up with me on the spot and she's going to be reaching out to you soon so that you guys can start your relationship. I can't wait. We're always, uh, you know, always talking about uh, you don't have to comment on people's bodies. You don't have to tell people they look good or bad or whatever. Uh, yeah, I, it was just impulsive. I couldn't even help myself. This, uh, <laughs> yeah, not so bad really... now. Not so bad now, is it, Kat? <laughs> no, I mean, there's a time and a place. That's know? a good thing. And I Halloween. think my Elvira outfit was the time and the place <laughs> to talk about my boobs, and that was it. Never again. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna have to do it again that next year, though. I'm just gonna reuse this outfit. It was now wasted on top- my apartment. No, no, you have to top it next year. That's the yeah. Thing. So this is the outfit that you year. just wear on like like two like Taco Tuesday now, and you have a year to think yes. up something that yeah. will be better than that. Okay. Well, I'm on speaking it. of speaking of boobs, we've been watching <laughs> the <sighs> yes uh, films of Toby Hooper. We talked about Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two, films separated by twelve years. Of course, the original nineteen seventy four. Part 2, 1986. In between those movies, Toby Hooper did a bunch of stuff. Um, Kevin and I actually both watched Salem's Lot from 1979, the made-for-TV miniseries directed by Toby Hooper. That one falls uh, through the cracks sometimes when people are talking about Hooper. Um, I loved that. Kevin loved that. I think we uh, discussed over on the Speak All Evil Patreon patreon.com forward slash speak all evil you can check that out um but there is a pretty wild varied career in between the chainsaw movies other than salem's lot um in 1985 a film called life force was released directed by toby hooper this is an amazing movie i guess i'm getting the feeling right away even though we're only getting going here i'm getting a vibe that I might be in the minority here. I don't like to discuss these films with my co-hosts before we get together because, um, I don't know, it's like I don't like to look at reviews before I see a movie. 
And I'm getting a vibe right now from everyone that I might be the only one who thinks that Life Force is the greatest naked space vampire zombie apocalypse film of all time. Well, I'll give you that. It's the only Boom. one. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> the, the bar is life force. This is, um, you know, <laughs> it's kind of hard to set this up because, first of all, it doesn't matter. You know what you need to know from what I just told you. But this is a story about invaders from outer space happen to be naked vampire zombies. Long story. They uh, make their way to London and set forth possibly the end of human civilization. This was supposed to be a blockbuster film. I believe the budget was like $42 million. Am I right, Kevin? 25 mil. 25 25. mil, which is a lot of money. Okay. That's that's still a lot of money for 1980. It's still a lot. Um, This was supposed to be a, a big deal. It was a total failure, total flop. Nobody liked it. It has achieved a sort of late-life cult status, and I am on board. I've been leading the charge on this one for a while. I love this movie. Um, I think it's great. Kevin, I don't know what you think. I don't think we've talked about this at all. I don't think I'd ever seen this at all, to be oh, honest. Nice. I think this was the first time I ever saw Life Force. And so you have to look at this movie, I think, through two lenses, because I watched it again after watching it like last week or the week before knowing that this episode was coming up and then researching it like it's hard to give this movie a pass because of how much power is behind it you've got toby hooper directing it was written by dan o'bannon who did alien who would go on to write and direct return of the living dead and he did some work on star wars total recall heavy metal you've got the music done by henry mancini you've got a an okay cast. I mean, you have Patrick Stewart show show up looking like the same age that he is today somehow. But then you've got the special effects by John Dykstra, who is an award-winning effects guy for Star Wars. He did Sam Raimi's uh, first two Spider-Man films, some X-Men stuff. When I realized the power behind this, I was like, man, how did they fuck this movie up so bad? Because it bombed at the box office. This thing made like $12 million. So I watched it and was just like, or I watched it, researched it, went back and watched it today and was like, okay, just, just forget all that stuff and watch it. It's, it's fun. It definitely could be called boob force and not life force. But <laughs> yeah, baby. There are, some, there are some serious lulls in this movie in between some really, really good scenes and cool effects. Uh, the story doesn't necessarily work for me. It's almost like they had like script rewrites. Like, you know, they're, if they're in Studio A, they've got the team rewriting the script in Studio B real time. So some of that bothers me. Um, very uneven. I, I, that really that was a very non-committal answer for me. Very uneven film. I understand how it became a cult classic. It's just not one for me. I didn't hate this film i thought it was i watched it twice because the first time around i don't think i got enough boobs so i wanted to rewatch it um to just really get the full effect you know what i mean good job, good job. Um, i think i maybe maybe i was hypnotized by the boobs into liking this movie yeah they were you might, you might have been like the guy in the just movie like, you know like a little swirly 
swirly nips i'm imagining anyway i digress um i thought the um i understand where kevin's coming from where is like the lulls but whenever the like prosthetic grotesque dehydrated humans i guess were on the screen i thought it was just like i thought it was terrifying i thought those would definitely haunt my dreams um if i were a dreamer if i could dream anymore uh, <laughs> but <laughs> but i i thought it was it was fun um I, it's it, it's no poltergeist i'll say that but it was my favorite space vampire tit- titty movie <laughs> forget about I, zombies i think to say that it's no poltergeist is one thing but when you talk about Toby Hooper, more importantly, it's no Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And that's the problem that I had with his whole career after this is that's one of the most influential films of all time, regardless of genre. Uh, it's, it's amazing and it's minimalist and perfect that way. And what Life Force reminds me of is... Your favorite artist, uh, just say, I'm trying to find someone who's usually pretty raw, so maybe like a Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash gets a big budget to make an album, and it's like auto-tuned, and there's like a million guitar overdubs, and the drums are all giant, and it ruins it. It takes away any nuance uh, that's scary. Uh, that's everything that Texas Chainsaw Massacre was to me. And to me, this was just a budget masturbation. I, I mean, it just went over the top with everything. And it wasn't even that good. I mean, if you look at the time that it was made, if you look at even just the aesthetics of the space when they go to space and the things around them, I mean, Alien looks 10 times better. Um, you know, I'm not even going to say 2001 because that looks better than everything. But I don't know. And Matilda May was beautiful. Um, that part of it really stole the show. But she didn't act. She just had a complete docile look on her face the whole time, which all the aliens did. And that was fine. The acting was not bad in it. I thought there were some good performances. But those lulls Kevin was talking about really got me. And also the, the shrunken, uh, dehydrated uh vampire aliens or whatever to me they were they were silly looking like it's something that really? I, yeah i would accept that from like uh like a return of the living dead exactly it's funny i i even that's googled, what i thought i thought the same i googled thing. if it was the same guy who did return of the living dead because i thought those like corpse type things looked the same uh it was not but i thought they were really silly with like their like mechanical eyes going back and forth. They just didn't look real at all. And their mouths were like very mechanical, very Muppety. Um, I just, I just didn't really like it mostly because it would have been nice to see Toby Hooper go on to have a career of integrity. And I feel like <laughs> he, I don't think he did. Wow. I mean, I, I haven't seen Salem's wow. lot in a long time. Maybe that's good. I really love fun house which is kind of a, a lesser-known Toby Hooper movie. But I think for the most part, he kind of got mixed up with all these... Uh, he's doing all these collabs with like these big people where I like what he does. 
You know, like I, I, if I want to watch a Steven Spielberg movie or if I want to watch a, uh, the dude from that made Star Wars, I'll watch those movies. But I like Toby Hooper for what he did. Mm. And he had a style that was often emulated, but no one else uh, really ever nailed mm. what Texas Chainsaw Massacre did. And this movie is just the opposite end of that raw, pure, minimalist vision. So that's why I didn't like Life Force. Wow. Well, I have a big love for this movie. I'm a champion of this film. Every time I watch it, I like it more. I think of this movie as like, it's sort of if a 50s B movie that the title ended in From Outer Space was made in the 80s with $25 million, that would be this. And it has that sort of thing that those old B movies do where there's a little bit of everything in this. It starts as a space movie. Like, it starts off, I love the whole setup. It's very alien. Um, I love the layer of the space bats. I mean, it's just so That's cool. Right. And so you have this whole, like, alien-type outer space intro going on, and then naked... Naked, naked. I, I think um, that's where you're getting caught. Naked, you just you just compared it to I, no, basically I, <laughs> to Plan Nine from Outer Space, with his, which is heralded as yes. the worst yes. movie of all time, yes. pretty much. So that's right. This is the Plan Nine from Outer Space, but awesome, and uh, I, it, it gives you vampire, it gives you zombie apocalypse. Very a lot of like shades of Twenty Eight Days Later. I thought in this with the chaos of London, the church scene especially. Um, you've got like Excalibur with a sword going on. You have the romance, the obsession, the the personal story of the protagonist. Is it Tom? Who um, is the classic story of being in love and, and obsessed with that which destroys you. He knows more than anyone what this creature is going to, to do, is going to lay waste to civilization. He even says that when uh, one, of, well, it's one of my favorite parts at the end when uh, the guy says to him, uh, she'll destroy you. And he says, she's destroyed worlds. <laughs> uh, it just, and, but he can't get away from her. He's just drawn to her. She's in his mind. There's the whole mind. Then you have the whole psychokinesis-like thing going on where he can read minds now and he's doing dead zone, reading people's <laughs> brain. I don't know. It's just like doing everything with the kitchen sink is in this London Symphony Orchestra. Uh, soundtrack is great. I love the um, the zombies. I thought they were awesome practical effects in this. Love the bats. Everything about this movie. Big fan. I recommend it. It's on HBO Max right now. I say dial it up, and uh, I think uh, I think any discerning viewer would enjoy it. I'm I'm surprised you guys didn't find. I do think that it. Matilda May could uh, command uh, my attention without even any powers. I could watch her kill fifty men before me, and I would still be in line. I, I thought she was. She's like a French, she's like a French ballerina or something like that. She wasn't even really an actress. Yeah, and and the best oh. part is uh, when she tells him that she, this this space naked vampire. It's not really a she. That's the form that it takes. She tells him that she took the form of the woman of his mind, like the woman of his dreams. She got into his mind and she took that form, and then she's turning into Captain Picard. I mean, I think they took it too far Peace in the Stu? casting. Peace Stu is in this. I think they should have found someone a tiny bit less pretty because it honestly stole the whole show for me. The weird. So there's so <laughs> so many things about what all of you guys just talked about to unpack. So Dave, you talking about the 
So the vampires suck your 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 energy out of you, and then you just sort of like dehydrate. So the effects weren't done by Return of the Living Dead people, but the movie was written by Dan O'Bannon, who wrote and directed Return of the Living Dead. So there is a connection there, I think, and I would assume with O'Bannon's effects background, he probably worked with Dykstra on that. The Matilda May stuff is insane. She was 18 years old when they made this movie. And they off what? they offered this role to a number of actresses, American or British actresses, English speaking, who turned it down because of how much basically you're naked the entire movie. And they were like, I mean, I'm okay showing my boobs here and there, but literally not just walking around naked for my entire shoot. So they found her. She did not know English when they signed her to do this movie. So she literally learned English during the making of this film. The other really fucked up thing that I read, there's some really great articles after this became a cult hit. You know, they start going back and pulling out all the the juicy behind-the-scenes stuff. So Toby Hooper had her completely waxed and shaved so that she had not one hair on her body because he thought it might make her look like a little more like alienish or something and then realized how fucked up it was so they couldn't delay shooting so they gave her like a few days to like start growing pubes back and then one of the makeup people's job every day on set was to go like dress up her pubes so that shit looked like so i mean you're talking about a lot of attention paid to an 18 year old vagina on a 25 million dollar movie in 1985. the other thing that i just want to say is everything you just said trent how many places they jump around to I think that's the problem I can't find one of them that shows me what they spent 25 million dollars on it's almost like they were like Dude, it looks great it, it looks, looks great. so bad awesome. it, like no, it Dave just named two movies that were good. made way before Life Force with way smaller budgets that look way better no. than this I mean when they're going into like the Haley's Comet thing into the I think the Bat Cave that you were referencing it looks like a butthole <laughs> It does. It does look like a giant butthole. Oh, I didn't notice it doesn't, that. It looks like a winged bat claw. And the, and the like, yeah. the bat demon. I don't I mean, see I, as many I, of those as I see buttholes. What kind of buttholes are you guys scary. looking at? <laughs> Hopefully none. <laughs> this looks like a butthole. Story here. <laughs> oh, man, when, when it spreads out and the darkness falls over the, the um, pit but, of the ship or butthole. whatever where they all are and the... Oh man, I I thought this movie looked great. The special effects were well spent. I loved those dried out zombie people <laughs> and uh, the whole energy stealing thing. It's kind of like it reminded me of like real energy zombies. You know, they they suck your life force from you and use it, and then they leave you as a as a husk. Dry so you put this up, but then you put was, this up par with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one. No, obviously not. But I mean, I don't put. Um, anything, I don't put much on par with the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, not at all, but I love this movie. I mean, we did just talk about cosmic horror. Isn't this sort of falling in the cosmic horror realm? Is that another? I'd say it's it's cosmic-y. Well, the it's thing that you said, Trent, sure. was that uh, they were invaders, which I, you know, they, they extracted these things from the comet and then brought them back to Earth. 
Although, although the dude was trying right. to prevent them from sure. getting to Earth, but it was kind of them yeah. that brought yeah. this whole thing upon by disturbing their bat lair or whatever. True. Yeah, the invasion was more opportu- opportunistic than it was a planned yeah, invasion. Yeah, it's sort of like a almost, um, I thought there were Thing vibes. Definitely reminded me of the Thing at times in that sense. The hidden, the hidden invader going from body to body, leaving the, leaving the shells behind, turning into something else. I thought it was too much. Too much all at once. You don't need zombies. You don't need vampires. You don't need all this stuff, space, all in the same movie. Well, like, it was it based seems on very a book. Convoluted. It was based on a book, which I was surprised by. And I, I have no idea how long this book is, but it was uh, Colin Wilson's 1976 book called The Space Vampires. And until pretty close up to release, the movie was going to be called The Space Vampires. Yeah, I read that And the too. execs came in and were like, yeah, that sounds too cheesy, so let's call it Life Force. <laughs> and Toby Hooper too has accurate. always said, I wish it stayed The Space Vampires. But the author of the book <laughs> has gone on record as saying he thinks it's the absolute worst adaptation of a novel to movie of all time. Oh, that's, that Good. hurts you. I did think it had a very strong, like, Dracula vibe, though. I thought it followed the story of Dracula pretty closely. Did you guys think that at all? Yeah. Sort of like a... Yeah, you even went to the asylum. You even end up at the insane yeah, asylum. There's a, if yeah, if you really kind of lay out the Dracula story, particularly Bram Stoker's that we talked about, the film, the film that we talked about, it, it kind of follows she, which the other hilarious thing that I have to say is... Matilda May's character doesn't even have a name. She's literally referred to as Space Girl. So if you watch it with subtitles, if you look it up on Wikipedia, it's literally Matilda May as Space Girl. But I did think it had, you know, a lot of the same... Well, she's not a girl. ...the same arcs as, uh, as Dracula. And you are right. She's not a girl. She's an entity. She's nameless. Yeah, she's a nameless entity. She's like the shit. Whatever. Let's you know? not get into gender uh, reveals here. Uh, she's woman enough for me. <laughs> Agreed. Here, here, mommy of the week. Yes. Oh well, yeah. If, if you want if more, Kat get it. I'm looking. I'm looking her up to be like, you know, what did she? What else did she star in? She's literally in this French movie called The Tit and the Moon. So the other movie we watched this week, another Toby Hooper film, I uh, have to go back a few years to 1982 for what most people think of as Steven Spielberg's Poltergeist. This was produced by Steven Spielberg, directed by Toby Hooper. Um, I love this one. Kat, what'd you think? Poltergeist um, is probably one of my favorite horror movies, um, just in general. Um, it's really stuck with me since I was a, a wee babe. Um, so this movie's about this family. They're living in this home in this big you know, housing development that the father works for selling houses. 
Then all of a sudden, there starts to be some strange activity inside the house from a poltergeist, maybe? Um, and they, through trials and tribulations, uh, they have to rescue their daughter, who has been taken by the TV people. And it's just like the that kind of uh, action feature from then on. Um, there were so many things rewatching it that I realized are the reason that I'm scared of certain things. Fucking dolls, poltergeist. Mm. Clowns, poltergeist. Looking under the bed, poltergeist. Looking out my yeah. window at night, poltergeist. <laughs> like, it's all, <laughs> it all comes back, I feel like, to this movie for me. Um, and it's also just so funny. Like, there's that little, like, like twist of humor in many scenes. Like, Craig T. Nelson is so funny. The mom is, like, my dream stoner mom. Like, she's so weird. She's just like rolling joints in bed, um, putting <laughs> the when she like puts the helmet on her daughter when she's like when they're like pushing her across or the the poltergeist is like pushing them across like and she's like all right honey like go <laughs> like uh, I love this movie it's scary the ending fucking packs a punch I feel like they you think it's over you think there's this beautiful resolution and then all of a sudden fucking it goes haywire so i love it i like poltergeist less and less as the years go on i loved it as a kid i was scared by it as a kid um i thought that they pushed uh the pg rating to its limits in the 80s and we we get a lot of that when we're talking about these movies they kind of pioneer these effects that, you know, the MPAA don't really know what to do with. So they kind of slide by and then you end up with like a nine-year-old like me seeing this movie or whatever, however old I was. But I appreciate it for that. Uh, I think this movie could easily be called White People Problems. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Oh, my Zenith is attacking. My brand new Zenith I just got from Sears is... Attacking me in my suburban neighborhood. Yeah, it's sad how little has changed. You can watch this movie through the same lens in 2020 that you could in 1982. I, I agree. My two-story house is haunted. I, I, I think most people. I think most people know uh, Poltergeist, uh, and if you don't, uh, you've you're a little late to the party. But uh, it's built on a Native American burial ground, which has come up. No, that's the Mandela effect. It's not, Dave. That's oh, it the is. Mandela effect. It's not. It's not. No, it's not. Just a regular burial Just ground. a regular yeah. cemetery. But they do, in fairness, they mention tribal sacred ground. He says okay, it's okay. not a tribal sacred ground, so that's why everyone remembers it. Uh, He's right. like, it's not like it's a tribal sacred ground. It's just regular burial ground. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's just white people. Yeah, uh, just the, white I people like the cursed stuff that's that surrounds this movie. Like, uh, I, I like the fact that uh, he used real skeletons uh, at the end and didn't tell the actors. I thought that was cool. But this is more of a... I mean, it's not as good of a movie as a Steven Spielberg movie. And it's not as good of a movie as I think Toby Hooper's capable of. It's somewhere in the middle. It's it Again, it seems like some big budget corporation is somehow at the helm of this 
And you just don't get the feeling that, I don't know, anyone's vision was really realized. It's just kind of like this big blockbuster thing that is meant to uh, be a big smash hit. And I don't know. It's, it doesn't seem grimy enough for Toby Hooper. It's really out of character. I'm a big fan of this movie. I grew up on this movie. Um, I thought it was terrifying when I was a kid. It's obviously not as scary now. And this is on Netflix right now, by the way. So fortuitous timing, easy dial-up. Um, my take on Poltergeist now, and I haven't seen it in at least 20 years, maybe more. I, don't, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw it. I had watched it so many times in my life, but it's been a really long time. This is the greatest boomer horror movie of all time <laughs> this this is it just goes with what you were saying dave this is like the big chill of horror movies or <laughs> this is wait I, I have another one this is the jackson brown song of horror movies <laughs> I, this is the sad fucking middle-aged boomers on their generational retreat to the suburbs they've given up the 60s flower child dreams they're coming to terms with the compromises and burying the past and they're slave to the grind they got the careers and the kids and all this stuff going on and it's all very sad and they're having a tough time with it that's that's poltergeist and i love it i think it's great i don't really like i can't connect to that part with it obviously um there's a lot of that family kind of stuff and not really live that kind of lifestyle i could i could certainly be uh, of the age but see i rejected that path so i don't have those regrets i'm not coming to terms with with any of that i never sold out yeah so i'm just here for the fun and i love this movie i think it's a lot of fun um it's i think you're right though dave it's like it's not as good as a spielberg movie really should be and it's not anything like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I, again, I actually enjoy Life Force more than this. It's sort of neither here. It's not enough of one or the other. But I do think it's still pretty scary. I think it holds up. I wouldn't say it holds up like gangbusters, but I'd say it holds up pretty damn well, especially for a movie that was relying on a lot of, you know, sort of effects from the time. You get the feeling like Spielberg is trying stuff out. He might want to use it in a, in a movie that he really cares about, like E.T., which he was directing at the time that this was in production. <laughs> one of the reasons that Toby Hooper was brought in. Um, who, but although I think he actually wrote, I think Hooper actually wrote the first draft of this screenplay or script. Kevin, um, you, you must have grown up on this one. Well, uh, using your words, Trent, let me give you my take from a sellout. <laughs> <laughs> so I did. I, I did grow up on this movie, and just like you said, and I uh, said this to Dave earlier, I haven't watched this in at least 20 years, and I'm going to be honest, I think I haven't watched this movie in like 30 years. I think I binged this movie so much as a little kid yeah, so that much. there was no need to watch it, but I have, to, I have to give this movie a special place in my heart because it is the root of so many things that fucking terrified me. The tree coming through the window is an iconic scene for me. It terrified me. I literally couldn't sleep in a bed near a window if I could see the reflection of a tree. And we live in Maine. It gets gnarly here with the wind. A tree smashed through my windshield last week. Yeah, exactly. So the curse of Poltergeist is actually following Dave actively. Uh, the clown... Carol Ann's voice, I mean, God, one of the cutest actresses you could ever possibly put into a movie and, and do mean things to. Yeah. So I was really curious, going into this now at the age I am, 
is it going to hold up? And I think one of the best things I did is not watch this in my 20s or 30s. And now coming back to it way later, as in the situation I am, I felt it. Because I, I imagine like my own daughter watching this now and being like, could I sit Nora down and have her watch Poltergeist? And I, I think it's great. I think it, I think it holds up very well. I do think... It, it it is almost a Steven Spielberg movie. I mean, you have Jerry Goldsmith doing the music, and he he did the music for Gremlins, so you can kind of see some of the Spielbergy, Jazzy type stuff coming in, and then you can you know probably pinpoint some of the wins that Toby Hooper had if you look at some of the scenes and the gore, but it never gets really put together. You know, watching it now in 2020, and I will say. One of the most interesting things that you were just uh, hinting at, Trent, is that Spielberg wanted this movie. I don't think Hooper wrote it. I think it was derived from a story by Toby Hooper. So yeah, he, probably the general one of those like, writing his, room scenarios. Yeah, because it was supposed to be um, Spielberg wanted to do this as a sequel to um, Close Encounters, right? And have it be a space thing. Right? Yes. And then Hooper was like, eh, I don't want to do a space movie, but what if we made it a haunted house? Yes, exactly. And Spielberg contractually could not direct this because his contract said that he could not have directing credits on another movie until E.T. was done. So there are a bajillion. I'm not going to, don't ask me for examples because I, I, there's so many out there that just go on the internet and feel free to believe what you want to believe. But there are a bajillion examples of people arguing that Spielberg actually directed this movie and just gave the credit to Toby Hooper because contractually he couldn't take it. But there are people saying he was on set every day, he was blocking shots, he was setting everything up, he was really in control. Then there are other camps that say, no, I was on the production, Toby Hooper was actively directing this movie. Yes, sometimes maybe Steven would help out with, you know, a lot of times you have multiple shots going on in movies, so you need assistant directors and camera camera two, camera three. So it's a, it's actually questionable if we're even talking about a Toby Hooper directed film right now. I thought the whole, the whole setup of this was super scary. I still think it's scary. And, and I loved how tight and how efficient this is. Like from frame one, this does not waste any time. And it only takes place over like the whole initial thing, there's like just a couple days. It gets right down to the nitty gritty. And I've been all down through the controversy or quote unquote about who directed it and, and all this. Um, I think it's kind of silly, but there is like a whole cottage industry online of like super dorks like us and fanboys who like to argue about who really directed this movie. But when I watch it now, it just looks like. Steven Spielberg produced a movie and and wrote largely a movie and Toby Hooper directed it like that's exactly what this looks like and what it would be and what it is from what I understand it. But I think people have a hard time um, conceptualizing the gray areas of collaboration and every collaboration is different. And Spielberg himself has um, has talked about this that and he calls Toby the director and everyone most of the people I think that Craig T. Nelson is been asked about this a jillion times and he's like I don't even he doesn't even consider it a controversy but um I I like it I think that the whole idea of the the TV and I think it goes back to that like suburban retreat thing of the generation the TV 
is the vector. Like it, early on in the movie, they're fighting over the antenna that the neighbors are on the same antenna or something. I don't really remember that being a thing, but I guess maybe. I someday. don't remember that being a thing either. I don't, like, but your I'm, remote changes your neighbor's TV. I guess when you were living that club, maybe in those days when the suburbs were really coming together and this stuff wasn't as um, set up as well, maybe that was a thing, but. You know, they're, oh yeah, I mean. It happens at Planet Fitness all the time. People exactly, always change yeah, exactly, my channels yeah. and I'm on the elliptical and all of a sudden I'm like. So it was like that, but, but between neighbors. So uh, I loved that yeah. whole thing. Um, I love Cat. Have you ever seen a, a, a TV channel go off the air for the night? You've probably never seen that in your in your real life. I've not, no, just so in the this whole, movie. So the whole way the movie opens is the station is going off the air for the night. And that used to happen every night, Cap. Believe it or not. That was yeah, a thing. You, yeah, the Star Spangled Banner. Yeah, the every Star Spangled Banner. Banner would play. Oh. That was like the last call. Oh, wow, that, that was like the last call of TV you know, <laughs> back in the day. When did this stop? I guess cable. 90s. Yeah, cable. 80s, 90s. Yeah, yeah. I would have been. That yeah, right I would have been in the 90s out, so. when they started doing like uh, uh, infomercials. When they figured out that like you could sell terrible things to Americans to make America great again between the hours of midnight and 5 a.m. Yeah, I've always been, uh, you know, nocturnal. So I was super bummed when television was just over for the night. That you were on your own at that point. That was it. It was just you and nothing. <laughs> no, that's why you had a VCR. In high school, I owned like three movies. And it was like Twister, Babe, the movie about the talking pig, uh, and You've Got Mail. So when like Letterman was over and like the TV was going off, it was like, okay, well, how stoned am I? Do I need Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan? Do I need a talking pig? Or do I need, uh, you know, Bill Paxton fighting uh, hurricanes or uh, tornadoes? We really have a generational thing happening here because I know Trent and I, we didn't have those movies. We no, VCRs. We didn't have VHS. No, no. I mean, not at first. Not at first. No, those were later. There was a time when you didn't you, have You didn't that even game. have the remote. No, you man. had the dial that you slid. That was that was an innovation. Yeah, we were there for that. We were there for the first day of those. <laughs> yeah, so I'm only I'm, I'm like I'm like in the middle spoiled child like realm. Like yeah. okay, all right. I just want to know where I am on a scale of like Kevin to like Tiny Tim or something. <laughs> I am the Tiny Tim of this. Operation. I think everybody learned the thunderstorm count from this movie, though. There's a scene in this where the younger child, the boy, the second, or he's the oldest child, but he's very young. He's afraid of the thunderstorm, and his dad, played by Craig T. Nelson, teaches him to count the seconds between the lightning and the thunder, because the closer the lightning is to the thunder, the closer the storm is. And as the time expands between the two, the storm gets further away. And I definitely learned that from this movie. I think a lot of people did. And I did as a kid after seeing that. I used the count many times. Count between the thunder and the lightning. You guys ever do that? Oh, yeah. This movie oh, taught yeah. me that for sure. It also made me not want to look in a bathroom mirror for a very, very long time. So, like Dave was talking about. I don't blame you. PG, like a, <laughs> a PG movie having that scene in it is amazing to me. And of course, it's because PG 13 right. didn't exist. So they had to either go with rated R or PG. And there's, there's, like Dave said, if you haven't seen Poltergeist, too, too fucking bad. You're late to the party. It's, <laughs> it's an incredible horror movie for me in that it generated so much terror at its time and I think it's still wood for children nowadays and nobody dies I do like Poltergeist but it wasn't until like 10 years ago or maybe around then that I started taking interest in who directed what 
because I realized that like, oh, it doesn't matter who the actor is in the movie. It's really about who directed it. If you like the movie, you want to follow the director. We've talked about that before on here. So I like this movie until I started looking at the arc of Toby Hooper's career. And I was like, eh, it's kind of a sellout. But I, do, I did think it was very scary. The scariest thing about this movie and a lot of movies like this since are the people that you have to hire to come get rid of the ghosts are usually scarier than the ghosts themselves. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good yes. call. <laughs> Zelda Rubenstein. Yes. Let's, lest we forget. Like I watched this, uh, yeah, the, the what, Taste the Rainbow? The Skittle, yeah. the voice of the Skittles from the Taste the Rainbow commercials. We talked about that. In was a, she? Yeah, we talked about that in a past episode. Um, oh. When I was watching this, I was like, wow, like they totally ripped off like Lynn Shay's character in like the Insidious films from Zelda Rubenstein big time. It's like the p- poor person's version of, of good old Zelda for, you know, the Insidious series. Yeah, it's a classic character now. The, the old crazy psychic lady who shows up. That's like a, that's a thing. I think an underrated scare in this, for me growing up and now, um, the child's buck teeth. Very, <laughs> seriously, very scary, especially in silhouette when the, the young boy has like very prominently buck teeth and the silhouette when she's like shaking him in front of the TV and the TV is just static and you just see these, it's like Nosferatu. You know, he looks, that was me. <laughs> what you had before oh. braces? I had those the same teeth. You did. You had Nosferatu teeth. Are you? Yeah, are yeah, you watching it right now, Dave? Both yeah, I usually play the movies in the background while we're doing the episode. Wow, that's method. That's method. I I forgot <laughs> a pretty scary scene with like the closet vacuum, which is so subtle and like easy easy to forget, but it, it gets you every time. So there's a lot of good scares in this for sure. I thought the dog was very scary. Anytime the family dog is freaking out and the way this dog keeps freaking out and acting weird and it's obsessed with that spot in the in the wall, that's ah, that's terrifying stuff. Yeah, I mean, I have an 18-year-old cat uh, that I th- we might have talked about on the Pet Cemetery episodes, an 18-year-old Maine Coon cat who is on his way out but can still, like, like LeBron James jump onto, like, the highest cabinets that we have in the house he will sit and focus on one point on a wall and meow at it for like two hours straight and it's not like random spots it's like only particular spots in our house and i'm like my fucking house is haunted i have to i have to watch poltergeist and learn how to be more craig t nelson than i am yeah if you've ever had a pet do that it get it's scary i had a dog do that once um start growling and like the fur stand up on the back of his neck and just staring and just into the next room and there's nobody there, you, you, you know? And it's just like, you think something, I don't know, maybe that, that's as, I guess as close as I've come to any kind of ghost story. One time my dog acted in a way that it had to have been a poltergeist. <laughs> the only explanation <laughs> I can The only of. explanation. All it could have been. That's yeah. my, I guess that's my paranormal, my one experience. Have any of you guys seen Funhouse? Has anyone seen Funhouse? I don't think I've ever seen it. Kevin, you sing it? Funhouse is great. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, like, low budge. Like, it's it's Hooper meeting himself halfway between, like, Life Force and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It reminded me a little bit of, like, Hooper's take on John Carpenter a little bit. That's another, that's a good comparison. It's a little bit Halloween, uh, you know, slasher. I wouldn't really consider 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre a slasher, but I guess it is. Kind of is, yeah. And, yeah I but, mean, I think I think it birthed an iconic character that on his own could fall into the slasher group, but really what Hooper created is a really messed up family. So I think it's not really... You can't really place it firmly in the slasher genre because it's more about the Sawyer family. Right, but you know, you, you go from these early films of his that are very rebellious, uh, dealing with, you know, issues of classism, made on a shoestring budget, and then you get these big schlock, like the lightning. I don't like the fake lightning that, like, happens mysteriously when uh, you go to the next dimension or you summon some weird <laughs> demon. And I feel like Poltergeist started that, like, weird electricity lightning that happens. Uh, and they really overdid it. It hasn't held up. After yeah. this. It hasn't held up yeah. that well. Uh, the the fake um, tornado and stuff. It, it it definitely has some some things that I think again they were being sort of new new effects and things that maybe don't don't hold up as well. And the soundtrack definitely Spielberg soundtrack kind of ruins portions of this movie. It's very much like we talked about with Jaws. You're trying to watch a scary movie, and you, and you got some sort of like Disney soundtrack score going on there's a piccolo yeah that, that happens a lot in this yeah you're like oh he peeled his face off oh it's a piccolo what <laughs> Went on an adventure now <laughs> oh speaking of all this uh we're always attempting to have really original content and um a podcast that i'm on from time to time the movie rant break uh talked about poltergeist this week it just happened to be the same week as us huh. so i would just like to uh say a shout out to One Up What Up TV over at the Movie Ramp Break. We're not trying to steal your vibe. Uh, I don't think that our review of Poltergeist is the same as as his, where he focused mostly on how hot the mom was. I uh, well, I agree with him that the mom was hot. That's actually that's mommy of the week. We haven't we haven't talked about the curse that Dave mentioned previously. I'm not really There's familiar. An- yeah, what's the curse? So Poltergeist is one of those movies like The Exorcist or, you know, the films that they say that the production was cursed and or the curse followed the cast and and crew out into the world after the movie was done. I actually found something that isn't in any of the docs that you can watch about the Poltergeist cursed, but I think it's part of it. And that's Stephen King. I think Stephen King was cursed by Poltergeist because he was actually approached by Spielberg to write Poltergeist. And his publisher at the time, Doubleday, threw out a ridiculous number because of the current popularity of King in the early 80s. They just went big. And Spielberg told him basically to piss off. And King said, fine, I didn't want it anyway because I'd be writing something that wasn't my original idea, so I'd just feel like hired help. And then think about how much of a lull there was in good Stephen King movies in the years after that. I think Stephen King was a victim of either A, the curse of Poltergeist, or B, the fact that Steven Spielberg actually runs all of Hollywood. I what's who's the actor's name that was in Tex Chainsaw Massacre 2 that's also in this uh that played LG Oh shit I, uh, I didn't Joe I didn't realize that LG was in this 
he has a very small role uh, in the beginning. I think he's like uh, a construction worker or something. Oh, yeah. Oh. No kidding. He's one of the guys working. In the, and I, I've been looking into his death, and you can... Not very, you can't find very much about it, but uh, he had the horrible death that we talked about. He was killed by an axe, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the body of his work, I mean, what it, what it must it be like to be uh, a family member or loved one of his and you want to celebrate his work, but he died at the hands of an axe murderer, and all you have is poltergeist and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, too? <laughs> uh, it must, it must feel awful. It's, but I can't find much about. There's not even a news story online. No, there's some stuff. About, I, I, for, I thought I got into it a little bit when we talked about TCM, too. Yeah, I was looking for, like, clips and stuff, uh, but I couldn't find... I found this other, like, podcast guy that had interviewed him, uh, Dead Meat, maybe? Oh, yeah, the Dead Meat podcast. That's, like, the biggest yeah. horror podcast and YouTube channel. I didn't yeah, realize. Uh, I didn't realize he was in this. I knew that the actress that played the teen daughter was murdered shortly after what? Poltergeist was made. Terrible story. Yeah. So Dominique yeah. Dunn, who played Dominique the oldest Dunn, yeah. kid, um, in 1982. Oh, Dominique Dunn. Yeah. This is a classic tale of how not seriously we used to take domestic violence. She was strangled to death in her own driveway by her ex-boyfriend John Thomas Sweeney. And there's, it's a terrible story to read. She should have been out of the relationship. There should have been so much more intervention. And uh, amazingly, he served a whopping three and a half years in prison. So let's, uh, yeah, three hoorays for our criminal justice system, especially in the 70s and early 80s. I think that the saddest story about the alleged curse of Poltergeist, and I, this is why I don't think it's a curse. This is just fucking tragedy. Is Heather O'Rourke played Carol Ann, who is the little blonde girl who gives us some amazing performances. The great line, they're here. Uh, I still love the the pet burying scene and, and the way she delivers that. So she went on, actually, all of the cast, except for Dominique Dunn, went on to do Poltergeist 2 in 1986. And then Heather O'Rourke would go on to do the third and final movie in the series, part three in 1988. And she died that same year. So she had a, a sudden death in 1988. I think she was 12. Uh, they're calling it congenital stenosis of the intestine complicated by septic shock. So a lot of articles you read about the curse of poltergeist, and this is why people just fucking be responsible with your news reporting. A lot of them will say, ooh, there was no sign, or she died of the flu, or oh, her death was so sudden. It wasn't. The year before she died, she became really sick with giardiasis from well water. That led to her being diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and she was receiving treatment during the filming of Poltergeist 3 for Crohn's disease. If you watch Poltergeist 3, a lot of the medicine that they had Heather on, it was making her like bloat up. And you can see it if you go watch that movie. That And she was very, very self-conscious about it. So she died of a complication of these things that she had, not a goddamn curse on the movie of Poltergeist. Well, speaking of cursed productions, beginning to wonder there isn't a curse of some kind hanging over this one. I mean, it was just, I mean, we started the podcast 
pandemic hit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right after that. I mean, what was it? Yeah. We're a one episode in. Yeah. When the pandemic hit. Honestly, what did we get for like face-to-face episodes? Was it like three or four? At least five because Zombie Mania was five. Oh, five was not in person, was it? It was Zombie Mania. Zombie Mania was. Oh, it five. was. Oh, right, because I was drunk. So we got somewhere under ten. Oh. <laughs> um, Lest we forget. You know, uh, right before the the pandemic did hit, talk about curses or whatever. Um, I don't know if I told you guys or showed you the video, but it was really insane. Uh, my daughter had a chorus concert, and we're watching them sing. Uh, they're singing uh, "Hey Jude," and they're all standing up at the bleacher. Oh, there's risers, and they're singing. And all of a sudden, one girl passes out and drops and falls off the the riser. And then a few girls over starts projectile vomiting (gasps) during the chorus concert. The whole thing ends. Everyone's just like pandemonium getting out of the place. (laughs) It was like a a zombie outbreak was about to begin. And, but I always forget that that was right on, you know, the precipice of this crazy pandemic. It's been, I don't even need to say it's been a crazy year, but I feel like it's been a crazy year for people individually. I feel like some weird, like some weird, like retrograde stuff happens mm-hmm. to everyone individually. And then we also have this collective horror that we're all experiencing at the same time. So by the time this episode comes out, you, th- you don't think we'll know the results of the election? We might, we might not. I have no idea. It's, 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 I don't know if we'll know. It depends on a lot of things. Uh, I, I would say 0% chance, given all of the lawsuits the Republicans are throwing at states right now. Yeah. 0% yeah. chance. Yeah. It, 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 we may not know for... It, it could be months. It could be days. It could be months. Oh, my God. There's really no, no telling. We're truly in the unknown, guys. Well, one final thing that I would like to say that we haven't really touched on too much, and I've done a whole lot of hating, but uh, rest in peace, Toby Hooper. I, anything that I say bad about him, any shortcomings, any transgressions about his work are purely because I see an indie artist who someone dangled money in front of him and I saw his work go more and more commercial as years went on. Um, but rest in peace, Toby Hooper. Uh, he made, even if Text Chainsaw Massacre was the only movie he ever made, he would still be one of the greatest of all time to me. So, I mean, no disrespect. Amen. But I hope he is rolling over in his grave because that's what all the (laughs) horror directors that are dead need to do. They need to roll over in their graves. Mm -hmm. They rise from the dead to make one more movie. (laughs) 